Now, a few weeks from now, you might see or hear some monsters patrolling the streets of Emerald in the evening, asking you for lollies, so you better stock up. Um, Halloween celebrations seem to be gradually arriving in our culture more and more each year, whether or not we like that. Um, and I'm going to speak a bit more about Halloween later, but originally, you might know, it was supposed to be a night when we remember the dead. I think about what it means uh, to live in a world that contains lots of spiritual forces that we may not understand. Now, how that transitioned to children running around uh, threatening to play pranks on people who don't give them chocolate, um, that's an interesting um, question for historians. You might uh, think about that. Now, as you heard, our reading today is very much on this topic of death and how to think about it. Now, we're coming to the end, towards the end of our series on Ecclesiastes, which we finish next week. And those who've been following through know that we've seen this is a very sombre, a very serious book in the Bible, and it gets to grip with some of the stuff about life that we sometimes like to ignore. And I think the reason why it's good to look at Ecclesiastes, though, um, is to help us raise our awareness of the need for our faith as Christians to address the reality of life as it actually is and the difficult problems that we all face. And the teacher of Ecclesiastes raises today the biggest problem and the biggest question for all of us, which is the fact that we die. And how do we make sense of our life in the face of that? We've kept coming back each week to the central image of Ecclesiastes, which is this idea that, as he says, our life is meaningless, or as it's translated, the word hevel, Hebrew word, which means something like smoke or mist, or vapour. And he says constantly that whatever we grasp at in life, whether it be happiness, or money, or success, or pleasure, these things are not substantial, they are hevel, mist. And in the end, our life itself is like this. In the New Testament, in the letter of James, chapter 4, verse 14, James puts it like this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then vanishes. I think Ecclesiastes would, would approve of that message. Now, the reason that the teacher in Ecclesiastes brings this up is that he wants us to reflect on what our death means for our life and how we can be wise in the face of that. How do we live knowing that that is true? In verses 1 to 3 of the reading that we've had today, he describes, I think, what death does to our hopes in life. He's looked over these last chapters at all these various different meaning, strategies for meaning, strategies for happiness, including, as we last week looked at, the strategy of being wise. And he's seen, actually, in the end, all of these things come to the same result, the common destiny. So death is a great leveller, he says. It brings everyone to the same place in the end. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're righteous or you're evil, whether you're wise or foolish, whether you're religious or unreligious. He says, all share a common destiny. And he describes this as the evil or the bad news that is like a shadow behind everything that happens under, under the sun, everything in the rest of our life. While we live, he says, we can hope that things might get better but not after we die. And that's the problem of mortality. If we were immortal, there would always be some hope that things might work out for us at some point in the future, but we're not. 
And he says, this puts a sense of sadness, I think, at the heart of life as we, when we think about it. And it makes so much of what we do and we care about and we worry about perhaps to seem pointless. As he says in this reading, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about optimism and pessimism. Um, and at this point, we kind of reach a low ebb of the pessimism in Ecclesiastes. It's a very serious and mournful view of life, isn't it? It's interesting, though, that right after that, as we read, he sort of turns back to this positive celebration about enjoying life. He says, go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. He encourages us, go to lots of parties, enjoy your relationships, work hard and enjoy what you're doing. So what's going on there? Like, isn't this all meaningless since we're going to die? So why bother telling people to do it? Well, I think what he's actually doing is saying to us and helping us to understand that if we release ourselves from the belief that the pursuit of all these meaningless or heavy things in life are going to bring meaning to us, which contemplating death helps us to do, then we can be set free to enjoy the life that we actually have, while we still can. Life is fleeting and passes away, he says, but there is great joy in it, and there can be. I've been reflecting on this over the years since I started reading Ecclesiastes seriously, and I think that what he says to me, that I realise now, is that life is short, he says, but it has great beauty and great preciousness. And I think of human humanity, our, our, our human race, it's like looking out on the ocean like this on a sunny day with all the little points of light that briefly reflect off the surface with a flash and then are gone. I think we're all like those little points of light. Our life comes and then it goes. But it's beautiful while it lasts. Um, so Ecclesiastes is saying that we need to detach ourselves from this delusion that the things that surround us in life that we attach ourselves to, and our life itself has more substance than it really does. Life can be enjoyed for what it is, a flash of light in an ocean of darkness. Um, and then we can then face more clearly the real problem of death. Because the real problem of death is not that it stops us from truly succeeding in all the various schemes we pursue. They were never going to succeed. The problem of death is that this beautiful thing that life is, how precious it is, eventually and all too quickly disappears and vanishes like a mist. And where does it go? Does it go anywhere? Or is it lost forever and forgotten? And this is the struggle that we have, I think, when we come to have funerals. How do we remember and hold on to someone's life when it's slipping away from us into memory? There's a part of Ecclesiastes that we skipped over uh, back in chapter 3 from verses 18 to 21 where he talks about this problem. So I'm going to read to, it, read to you from it. So chapter 3, verse 18, he says, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so does the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? 
Who knows? The teacher doesn't know. And none of us have ever been there and come back to say. This is what Hamlet talks about in his famous soliloquy when he muses about what he calls death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveller returns. That's what you would need in order to answer this question for someone to come back. Now, as always in this series, I'd like us now to turn to Jesus because I do think he, bring, he gives us the other half of the, or the missing piece of the message of Ecclesiastes. Many of you will already have gone there in your own mind as we've been talking and thinking as I've been saying, well, don't Christians actually do, we do have hope about what comes after death and some knowledge. But I think it's important that that type of hope actually comes after we've spent time confronting the actual reality of death that Ecclesiastes talks about and really taken it in. Now, of course, one of the key things about Jesus, his message, his good news, and what he brings to this question is the hope that he has shown us in the resurrection from the dead. And that's the good news story at Easter. So Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life, a new life, three days later, and offers that new life to those who join him. So let's think for a moment about the resurrection and what this brings to the message from Ecclesiastes today. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul talks about the meaning of the resurrection of Jesus to those who are questioning him whether it actually happened. And he says in that chapter, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, he actually says this, then Ecclesiastes' advice to eat, drink and be merry would be the best way to live. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then Ecclesiastes says, Enjoy your life while you have it. That's the best we can do. But Paul says, there is more to the story for us. God has given us this current life that we live as a kind of seed or starting point for an eternal and undying form of life. And Jesus' resurrection has revealed that to us and given us a sign of it. From verse, chapter, verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall um, not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The resurrection that we're hoping for as followers of Jesus is not just about getting a new body and living on in heaven like our normal life going on, but just a bit better. What it's actually about, Paul teaches us, is the power and the Spirit of God entering into our lives and making them solid, making them real, making them imperishable. So we will not be then like smoke or mist, this hevel that passes away. This is life beyond death. So this flash of light that we are, the light upon the waters, is going to become an eternal flame, something that burns brightly forever in God's presence. That is the Christian hope after death and we need then to face death 
as it is and then go through it in order to receive that. So I think Ecclesiastes helps us to embrace this life that we have and to be genuinely sad that our lives and the lives of people we love will end. And then to look forward to the fullness of life that God has for us and not get distracted by things around us that vanish like a mist. The resurrection of Jesus also gives us a new perspective on those who've died ahead of us. The teacher can only see in his wisdom all that we can see when we look around the world. People die, he says, and they vanish like a mist, and everything they did is forgotten. Even their name, in the end, will be forgotten. And this was the persistent worldview in the ancient world about death. And I believe of most people in the world today that the world of the dead is a place of kind of shadows, of ghosts, unreal spirits that might haunt us or they might hurt us, but they're not truly alive anymore. They're like smoke and a mist that lingers around and sometimes troubles us or comforts us if we believe they have good intentions towards us. And I think this is what Halloween is about, culturally, the unease that we have about the dead and their relationship to us. We're haunted by them and by the fact that we will soon be like them. Um, so we do our big festivals, you know, we make lots of noise and lots of light and we dress up like monsters to drive away the dead spirits so that we don't feel scared anymore. Um, but the resurrection of Jesus actually shines a bright new light onto this realm of the dead and shows it to be a far different place than we might fear. The human spirit doesn't dissipate into nothingness and mist when we die to be forgotten. We're actually remembered by God and held in his hands until the day that we come to life again in a new way beyond death. Um, if we think about Halloween again, it's one of those celebrations that's sort of ironically become the opposite of what it was intended to be about originally. I think Christmas has in many ways as well. Um, Halloween is the short way of saying All Hallows Eve. And so the night of All Hallows Eve is the night before the day in the church calendar which is called All Hallows Day or All Saints Day. So All Saints Day is actually the day in the church calendar which is set aside each year to celebrate the lives of those people who have died as Christians with their faith in Christ in the hope of the resurrection. And we celebrate that they are with God now, that they are in his hope. So All Saints Eve, or All Halloween, is actually meant to be a celebration of this passing from darkness into light, from sadness into joy. But without the hope in the resurrection, that joy gets lost and we just run around dressing up like ghosts and scaring each other and it's missing the point. So we believe as Christians that those who have died, they remain with God and he holds them in his life and we will rejoin them one day. In the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, it talks about this and encourages us to remember these people and to thank God for them and to know that they still share our hope and they're still concerned with us. For instance, in Hebrews 11 and chapter, verse 39 and onwards, he says of the Old Testament saints, these people were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would be made, they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So next week we're going to finish our uh, sermon on Ecclesiastes and let the teacher have his last word. But today I think he gives us something that drives us very clearly to consider Jesus as well. Death is sad, yes, but it is not something to be afraid of. It's not the end of the story. And so in our life, as Ecclesiastes said, we can live with open hands being thankful for what God has given us. And we don't need to grab hold of all these things that are like mist that passes away. Life is good when it lasts and then it vanishes like a mist or a flash of light on the ocean, whatever metaphor you want to use. It's only when we accept that and then we can allow ourselves to truly live and then to accept the gift and reality of death. And it's only in going through death and that experience that this mist or the Havel can be dispelled from around us and we can see clearly. I think that mist is too heavy for us to throw off through all the things we try, achievements, pleasure, wisdom, anything else that life has to offer. Ecclesiastes says we need to live well and then learn to die well. And when we do, we can finally let go of all those false things that we've been grasping after and accept that real life comes from God's hand. In the resurrection, we will be given life that is solid and will last forever. And that's available to anyone to receive from God by faith. Let me pray. We're going to sing about that hope that we have. Let me pray as we reflect on that today. Lord, as we come to you, the reality of death at times casts its shadow over our lives. The sadness, the loss, the lack of hope. We pray that as we walk through that dark valley, that you would be with us and we would know the light that is at the end, the resurrection to eternal life. And I pray for everyone here today that that light would shine on our life today giving you a new, solid and permanent life and hope in the midst of this world of mist and shadow in which we live. We pray that we would shine as a light in the world to your glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.